Welcome to episode 17 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me this fine day is my co-host, Matthew Mueller. What up, what up? And stepping out from behind the camera once again is producer Jim Viscardi. All right, guys. Well, in this episode, we have a lot to talk about on a lot of sides of the fandom. We have to talk about Supernatural and coming to an end, The Walking Dead's big slaughter fest. We're going to talk about that Avengers Endgame rumored runtime and also the big mess that spilled out of Zack Snyder's mouth this past weekend when he <laughs> spilled tea on basically everything have to do with the DCEU. We're going to get to all that and more this episode, and I just wanted to say, if you've been riding with us for 17 episodes now, thank you very much for joining Comic Book Nation. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard, and we hope you ride with us after this. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all those venues. You can kind of uh, look up, subscribe, and continue the journey. We post new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on the site and on social media, so we're not hard to find. All right, that said, let's jump into it because, like I said, we got a lot to talk about today on a lot of side of things, and I think we're going to start with an ending. Um, Supernatural. Supernatural is coming to an end. The showrunners and cast made that official announcement uh, this (laughs) past Friday, right before we got out of here, saying that next season, season 15, is going to be the final season of the show, and... A lot of people are sad and kind of bittersweet. I mean, this show was carried for longer than just about any show I can think of. Almost entirely by its fan base. Yeah, yeah. by its fandom. And to give credit to its stars, Jared Pilecki mm-hmm. and uh, Jensen Eccles, I mean, these are two guys who early on in their careers, people were kind of throwing them movie roles and possibilities and things you could do after the show. But these were two guys who really just kind of stepped back, looked at what they had, looked at their fandom and said, nah, like we're good. Like, we're going to milk this thing for what it's worth, and not even in a bad way. No, just, yeah. Like, they put a lot of creative power behind expanding Supernatural into an all-out brand Mm -hmm. and kind of merchandising it and getting that money and kind of putting themselves in a position to kind of reap the benefits of the show along with uh, creator Eric Kripke. And they've been like a little tight-knit family just kind of getting this their little CW money, not even little anymore, but good CW money. And it's about time for it to come to an end. I mean, at season 15, we're like eight seasons longer than I thought this show was going to (laughs) run. I mean, I've been covering Supernatural news for like 10 years now. Mm -hmm. So just to put that in perspective. The crazy thing is just looking at it from a a programming standpoint, that leaves a huge hole in CW's programming. It is, but it's kind of a part of a larger thing that we're not going to get into too deep right now, but about what is happening with the CW and, yep. and kind of what the shifts are. Arrow's going away, Supernatural going away. Those are two of their arguably biggest branding platforms for yeah. being this kind of fandom, geekdom, culture kind of a channel that they mm-hmm. rebranded themselves as after the teen drama stuff of the you know 2000s. Yep. And now we're kind of unsure. There's a lot more Roswells and a lot less Arrows kind of showing up on the CW yeah. and it's kind of unsure where that all is yeah. going. So yeah, I mean, but Supernatural is going to end on a high note with the good. I mean, it's fandom is locked in place and they're going to have plenty of syndication money. You and, think they'll try and fit in a Stephen Amell appearance on that show before? 
I mean, that would be very fun if he just made an appearance. And they yeah. just Because they're always, like, hanging out, shooting next yeah. to each other and kind of hanging out with each other. I mean, him, Jared Pilecki, and Stephen Amell posted a picture of them having a beer, joking about how they're going to be part of the unac- uh, Unemployed Actors Club pretty soon. And <laughs> So that would be nice. There's a lot, a ton of things that would be cool to see before the show ends. I was just writing a piece right before we stepped in here about Jeffrey Dean Morgan from The Walking Dead talking yep. about the show ending. And it would be cool to see him making one last appearance if one or the brothers or both of them die or something or they have to have some kind of final confrontation and have to get like heaven on their side to see John Winchester kind of step out and Well, that's like out. one of the cool things about like knowing a show was going to be like have one more final season, right? Like so many times shows just get canceled mm-hmm. and like that's it. And But knowing that this is going to be the final season, it allows, you know, for fans to speculate a little bit on what we can see, but it also gives the, you know, the show – an opportunity to pull all of that stuff together, right? Get Jeffrey Dean Morgan back and pull in some, you know, faces we haven't seen in a while for for one last hurrah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and years, that's kind of, a uh, lot of faces. That's about all there is to say about it in my book. Uh, we're gonna miss you, Supernatural. You've held it down a long time and entertained a lot of people, but we got one more final season, and we hope to see a lot of fun surprises. Yeah, Jeffrey Dean Morgan and a Felicia Day appearance is like, oh, yeah. you know, the two two things on the list I would say we'd need, but. Uh, all right, well, moving right along to the land of the uh, somewhat living. <laughs> uh, this is, We're going to talk about The Walking Dead, and uh, this past week was the penultimate episode of this season, which is season nine of The Walking Dead. And if you know anything about the comic books, we're kind of getting to the Whispers arc. We're, well, we're not getting into it. I mean, yeah. we are dead into it now. And there was one major kind of horrific scene from the comics that they finally brought over to the live show, a live action show this week, which is when uh, the leader of the Whispers, Alpha, kind of has this big showdown with our heroic group of survivors who in the comic involve Rick and like other people. But in this show, it's been way different. Yeah, (laughs) they're gone. We're planning to go. And so we got this big kind of episode that was a very heartfelt episode for much of it. It was very dramatic, more than horror, until the very end. And it was an extended episode, and those last 20 minutes are pretty horrific. Basically, if you haven't seen this, turn your little ears off for about the next minute of The Walking Dead (laughs) talk. But, uh, I mean, you're sure you've heard about it, yeah. Uh, Basically, Alpha, the leader of the Whispers, takes a bunch of people from this big fair all the surviving communities are having, and she horribly murders them, cuts off their heads as that are still zombified. It puts them on spikes to mark the territory of, to say to basically the survivors' communities, this is where your territory ends and mine begins. Like, this is the borderline. And she captures Daryl Michonne and Carol and then lets Daryl kind of walk out and has to see this. And then, or just kind of know about all this and that, you know, she has a whole army of zombies Mm -hmm. that she controls, like one of the most massive herds we've ever seen that she has her people steering and can use as a weapon of mass destruction. And then while they're walking with the end of this episode, we find that there are 10 spikes marking the border wall with 10 heads of 10 characters from the show that just got wiped out like that. Now... To be fair, this is The Walking Dead, and they pull (laughs) some tricks, and there were some tricks involved in this one, too, because some of the characters, most of the characters... Some, I was going to (laughs) say. Most of the characters are characters we don't really care about. There's, like, August Sampson, I think his name is, that actor who... uh, who was playing the highwaymen, these yeah, guys I mean, who clear the road. people. Who do they kill. To yeah. get rid of, yeah. Yeah, they introduced, uh, I forget what the old lady's name is, Tammy or something. Uh, they killed her. Um, the big ones, the big three, okay, let's just get to the big three, were 
Edith, uh, Tara, or Tara, whatever her, how you say her name. And uh, (laughs) Henry. And Henry's arguable because Henry was a a fill-in for Carl that nobody really wanted. (laughs) And so seeing him get killed was the scrappy-doo of Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah, basically. And, like, the big thing about him getting killed was they're like, man, Carol's going to be pissed now. And, like, that's the biggest joy of, of seeing Henry get killed, his love story with the daughter of the whisperers leader and stuff like nobody nobody really cared so i mean it was horrific to see a bunch of heads of people we knew from the show kind of cut off and it was more tragic because um the doctor i forget his name sadiq i think his name is at the end of the episode does this monologue because they captured him too but they forced him to watch and then like let go and try to instill fear in the other ones but he gets to give this whole kind of moving speech about how they fought and he tells about how they were captured and the highway men came in and they all fought together and tried to battle but they just got overwhelmed and slaughtered and you know all it, that and that was kind of sad like it's just cool that like it was one of those truly terrifying moments that you love about the walking dead yeah they pulled a lot of trickery about when about them seeing the heads on the spikes and revealing one at a time. I love that. And cutting back and forth to people looking around the the city and saying, like, where where's so-and-so? And, like, where's so- – they're missing. I can't – and then the panic's starting to build because they can't find people. And the big and then, fake out with Ezekiel. Yeah, Ezekiel, yeah. King Ezekiel, <laughs> who in the comics does get horribly slaughtered mm-hmm. in the walker, in the, in the Whisperer War. So does Rosita. War. Yeah, so does Rosita. Yeah. And, and so there was a big fake out because Rosita's pregnant. Ezekiel's like happier than ever. And people were thinking like this was going to be some hard-hitting <laughs> Walking Dead. Because whenever you yeah. get happy in The Walking Dead. So I have a question. That's it. Would you have rather them have just gone ahead and... Like, I get why they didn't, right? Because they <coughs> well, need to I don't, keep their I don't think stars. they can. Yeah, I was about but, to say, like, it's not they, about what I want. Like, every time we, I start thinking about what I want, I'm like, oh, but you can't. You don't have like, enough stars Rick, left. Like, if those stars were still here and that wasn't a factor, would you have rather them stuck? Yeah, them? absolutely. Okay, no. If the exception, I think, would have been. Those would have been, like, the smaller deaths we're talking about in that context. But I think Ezekiel still has a bunch of story, you know, of story left that they they could tell. Oh yeah, I mean, like, to shows- me, his TV character is infinitely more interesting than yeah, and that's a lot to do with Kahari Payton. But so, like the show, I mean, at this point, it's kind of hard to say with The Walking Dead to say you want to have the books because we're so far yeah. away from the books. The it's show like Game it's of Thrones territory yeah. level, like far away, even more so. Like yeah. I mean, they just straight up change mm-hmm. entire yeah. lifelines yep. of major characters and, and major characters in the show, in the books become minor in the show and vice versa. Yeah, so like, like yeah. is such a huge part of the exactly. books. And yeah, like and this is like, that's been not, gone so long now. Yeah, so I mean. Yeah, it was pretty shocking. Um, can't wait. We've been promised more uh, kind of big turns on the Walking Dead season finale. Uh, kind of wait and see what that's all about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm kind of with BD right now in the sense BD's not here. He's out doing his uh, you know all day cowboy act across the world <laughs> for us right now. He's in another location that we can't tell you about for a thing we can't tell you about. But he did a whole. I mean, he's done a whole great breakdown on this. If you want to learn more, visit our Walking Dead page and watch his After the Dead show from this past week, where uh, he and Janelle Wheeler break down this episode in a lot more detail than we're going to do here. Mm-hmm. But I'm with him in the sense that uh, I think the show has found a footing to keep surviving after Rick Grimes, and, it, and to me, it is kind of interesting in some ways without him because you don't know what could happen. Like now, they're like except for pretty much Daryl and Carol, I think anybody could go. Mm-hmm. At any time, or at least there's that danger. Yeah. And 
yeah, in spreading around the storylines, they become more cohesive and thematic. They're not just about center. They don't have to center on like one or two people. Mm-hmm. They can be about whole ideas of society and people and things like that. And that's interesting. So I'm with you, Walking Dead, still. I'm looking forward to the season finale. All right. Now, we're going to shift over to you, buddy, Matt Mueller. Because oh, yeah. there's some comic stuff to take us through this week. Com- By the time com- this episode gets com- up, the new books will be on store shelves. And there's some Albert. big milestone or at least one big milestone book this week. Why don't you tell us about that, buddy? Uh, well, so this week, I mean, and there's, a, and there's a lot of other books as well. This is actually a pretty good week for comics. But one of the bigger ones is Detective Comics 1000. And uh, it's like 35. Yeah, it's covers. so... Well, yeah, well, that too, but it's also just... That issue is huge. It took me so long to read that. Yeah, I think um, uh, our, one of our editors, Roland, was saying it's like 96 pages. It's a it's, lot. It's, it's like a tiny trade. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Now, what's great is it's it's kind of an anthology, right? So yeah. you have Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Jeff Johns gets a story in there, mm-hmm. um, Scott Snyder uh, and Greg Capullo are, are back together in, in a mm-hmm. story, and there's a bunch of other creators as well. And, you know, like with any anthology, right, some hit, some don't. Um, one of the biggest things, though, is like, and we'll actually, we're going to get into some spoiler territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you haven't read your comics yet, yeah. or haven't read Detective Comics yet. Because I'm about to put a big one out there. <laughs> spoiler alert for Detective Comics 1000. Uh, so towards the end, you kind of get a little bit of a monologue. And uh, someone's going on about, you know, the usual things like justice and <laughs> sending the world right and Batman and this and that. But then they uh, reveal themselves to be the Arkham Knight, which fans will know from the hit video game mm-hmm. Arkham Knight, right? Yeah. Now, in that game's case, and I'm going to throw out a spoiler that I'm pretty sure I'm fine. That game is like six yeah, years old. right. We're, we're good. Go I have the finale of that game to play. Don't spoil Did anything. Did you really? No, no, I do, actually. Are you serious? Yeah. No, I mean, go ahead, but I, know. I already know what it is. <laughs> All right, cool. That was the problem with it. Most people knew as soon as like they came out and said, like, hey, this is character or whatever. Is this mystery character? It's Jason Todd. It's Jason Todd. Now, in the game, not in the, in the game. book. In the book, we have no idea. Yes. And so he's very much like they're leaning heavily on the actual medieval aspect, like the dude's got a straight-up sword and a, and a knight's helmet. You know, it's got that tech-heavy thing, but it looks like that. So he will be a big part of the cr- coming arc. Uh, so if you are a fan of that and you're looking for them to do something kind of crazy different with it. explain why he's still called Arkham? They have, no, they just say that. Well, they, I don't even think they say it's Arkham Knight. I mean, think it we've, says Arkham Knight. In the, oh, does it say? Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, great. Um, now, I, don't rem- I cannot remember if it's his narration or if it's right. actually them just writing it, but they do write right. Arkham Knight in it. So, And he's a dead Oh, yeah. Anyway, the armor looks like except except for the sword. So it's interesting, but it, uh, it's really worth uh, it's worth reading. Like if you the bend, I mean the Bendis story is probably hands yes. down my favorite one. That's the one that they they released early, and ever since then, like I mean Bendis on Batman is something that every fan of Bendis or you know or a Batman fan is kind of just waiting for. Right, like he's been—he's doing his Batman thing in those weird Walmart specials. He's <laughs> yeah, uh, you know t- he'll do something like this, but like, you know, wrong. I love Tom King. I think Tom King's Batman, mm-hmm. you know, has its ups and downs, but for the most part, uh, I think it's a, it's a great run. I like his, um, but it's been a, lo- it's going to be a long run when it is all said and done. Yeah. And it'll be time to bring in right. someone else. And honestly, this is one of the reasons that when Bendis announced his first book for DC, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm not the only one that was a little, I was shocked that it was right. Yeah. That it I'm like Batman. Superman. Cause that, cause <laughs> Bendis has a penchant for writing street level characters and right. those kinds of things. I just want to see him and Alex Malib yes. go at Batman 
for a nice, healthy, long run. And this is a nice preview. Now, what I will say, you brought up Tom King. Tom King does have a great story in here. It uh, involves the whole Batman family, mm-hmm. and it's it's quintessential Tom King. So if you don't <laughs> like, if you don't like Tom, Tom King, you're not gonna like that story. You know that back and forth. I thought it was absolutely yeah. hilarious. So uh, fantastic. Well, again, but, even like the Scott Snyder story just goes to show why Scott Snyder is one of the. Yeah, one of the best Batman writers. Um, it's just that it, story threw me for a loop. It's yeah. a, it's, it, it really is like these anniversary issues usually get. There's usually like one lead story and then a ton of crap. But this one, this one's got some some good stuff in it. It's got there's some even crap. a Paul it's got some crap story in, it. in there too. Yeah, yeah. But it's got, uh, you know, it's got good stuff in it. Um, and then of course uh, we talked the. <laughs> if you've been paying attention to Marvel comics, you've uh, probably seen those very uh, vague ads. Uh, in each book. So we finally at C2E2 got the reveal of what those are. The worst kept secret in comics. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Jonathan Hickman's back writing the X-Men. Or not, he's back at Marvel, but writing the X-Men. Now, uh, who is the team coming with him? For So his two books are House of X and Power of X. Yes, uh, R.B. Is- Silva is doing one of them and... Oh, dear God. Uh, maybe Paco Medina? No, it's uh, Pepe Larraz. Pepe Larraz. Okay, so... Um, now, there are two separate books. Now, evidently, you were supposed to pronounce it The Power of Ten and then House of Something. Like, they went on this, they had to like define it, which is a little too House of X and Powers for of me, X. but okay. Uh, they, but, were, they were typical Hickman titles. <laughs> but they did show a cover image of a bunch of different X Men, uh, like a weird magic Colossus mashup, which mm-hmm. was actually kind of cool. Uh, there's Firestars back there, like some kind of B list and C list characters are kind of making their way in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives the impression that this is going to be pulling from all over the place, different mm-hmm. timelines. That's right. It's got, but it's also got two different Wolverines on it. Yeah. it. We still have no idea who the woman sitting on the bench is. Nope. I think Jamie mentioned that maybe you know it could be Moira, Moira McTaggart. That's uh, a which is a good possibility. Yeah, you know, a good possibility. Uh, Lalandra is is yep. back there. Mm-hmm. Um, are you are you a Hickman fan? Uh, I liked parts of Hickman's Avengers. I didn't like. I liked New Avengers. Okay. I liked Infinity. I did not like his. Avengers proper book. Do you? Where do you stand on Hickman? I, I liked everything he did. I think he added like a lot of good sci-fi mm-hmm. elements to the books. I mean, nothing more far out there than anything Grant Morrison has ever done, or yeah. something like that, in terms of like fantastical concepts or beings that he's introduced. Yeah, I feel like Hickman, but I liked Infinity. Sense. I liked Secret War. I liked uh, New Avengers. I liked the regular Avengers and the A lifts. Hickman's favorite book that, that he's ever that he's ever done. To me, is still Secret Warriors. I, that, I love Didn't that like series so much. I like New Avengers too. Uh, Secret Warriors, uh, the during Dark Reign. Yeah, yo, he wrote that. Yeah, was like I didn't know who he was back then. Yep, I wasn't really like checking for him by mm-hmm. name. When yeah, I read through all that. Yeah, that was the first place where they. Yeah, no, that was the, a really great book. The Secret Warriors Hydra, was one of my favorite know. books of the two thousands by yeah. far. Oh, so you're even a bigger Hickman fan than you? Than yeah, you. Uh, I, I just yeah, yeah I, I wasn't really. It's, it's crazy it's, when you think about it now. He's been there. He's been around for a while now too. I, I was like back then. I all I knew was like Grant Morrison was doing X Men and Jeff Johns was cracking open DC and. All now, that stuff, and he kind of snuck in there somewhere. The same way yeah. some people are with Tom King, I tend to be with Hickman. I'm a little less on the enthusiastic mm-hmm. side. I like his stuff. Like I like some of those, uh, especially Secret Warriors. Um, I liked Avengers at the beginning, yeah. and then I was like, okay, like I had checked out because I was like, this is just. It gets a little. It's kind of like my problem with Justice League. Like, well, like his his thing. weird his weird love for the Squadron Supreme, I just never, could never really understand. It's sometimes it's dense and not for me 
it's not like in a helpful way or a way to push the plot forward. Well, he just goes really big sci-fi. Yeah, he has a yeah. tendency to to use characters as plot devices and not as characters. And it's the same thing I have with Morrison sometimes. Like Morrison is is good and bad for me. I right now Green Lantern is fantastic, and that's the good Morrison. But you know, I have my other Morrison runs that are kind of like too ambitious for their own good almost. So Hickman, I'm I'm hoping this could be a great thing, and I'm excited. So. All right. Is there one more we're going to do before you? Is that it? No, that's, no, it. that's oh, it. That's it. All right. So that's going to be it for our comics roundup. Like we said uh, this week, I mean, you're going to be pretty busy just reading Detective Comics 1000. So Take get your Batman on. <laughs> have, a, have a good one with that one. And also check for uh, Jonathan Hickman's Mark on the X-Men, which I will be interested to see. All right. So stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to address that rumored Avengers Endgame runtime and we're going to talk about Zack Snyder spilling that DCEUT. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, today, we, uh, this morning, we got hit with a bunch of new Avengers Endgame character posters 36. for both the uh, 36 altogether. I'm sure there's some reason for that. I mean, maybe there's going to be a Wu Tang thing and there's like 36 chambers to the MCU. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, People are just already going nuts on theories about these posters, about everything, about who was shown, who wasn't shown. Some of them are black and white. Some of them are in color for the living and the dusted. And that was all Some of the memes well. are great. And, like, yeah. And so, and like, yeah, there's some memes already popping up of Deadpool and Goose the Cat. And, like, it's all it's crazy. Norton. That hurts me so much. That were Norton when I dug. Mar- Marvel fans <laughs> were freaking out about that one. But, um... The bigger story has been this kind of uh, talk about Avengers Endgame. There's been some rumors. I don't think anything that I've seen is substantiated to the point where I'm like, no, it's irrefutable. But the rumors are that it's like basically like, what, three hours and two minutes or something Mm -hmm. like that. People have already been making joking like the two minutes are going to be the ones that change our lives forever. (laughs) Um, But... uh, that's probably true. (laughs) I don't know what it is. The reason I'm bringing this up is not so much about Endgame. I think at this point, uh, Marvel's earned the right to turn over nearly 20 films to, to tell whatever story at whatever I mean, length they want. Titanic your ass was three is going to sit through that. Let's be real. Your ass is going to sit through it. Like, there's not even an argument here. You're going to sit. Yeah. You're not going to be like, all right, two hours. You didn't get me. I'm out. Like, and get up and leave. Yeah, like, so you're going to sit. So all the blowharding on Twitter, like, uh, knock yourself out. But you're going to be in that theater seat. So just, just be real with yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. But the thing about it is... Yeah, I mean, this is a movie where I, I just don't understand when people became so ADD addled run times. that they can't, like, I mean, people act like a three-hour movie is a crime. Right. Like, no, absolutely not. Three, like, yeah, yeah like, great three-hour Gladiator movies. was three hours. Gladiator was three hours. Yeah, the Godfathers are three yeah, hours. I love like, them. I Titanic is three Titanic hours. Titanic is three hours. I sat to Gladiator twice in the theater. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> the like, movie's great. Back-to-back or? No, not back-to-back. <laughs> yeah, I know. That one's rough. No, but, uh, <laughs> no, but the point is, like, there are, if a movie can tell you a compelling story, really well and keep you entertained then it shouldn't matter how I mean it's got to do so much right it's yeah. got to f- deal with the ramifications of infinity war it then needs to fix the ramifications of infinity war and then it needs to set up what the new marvel cinematic universe is going to look like like yeah. that's 3 hours right yeah. there yeah I mean, I hope it's not uh, like Lord of the Rings in an hour long. Oh, God, epilogue. epilogue. So, like, <laughs> but at least this isn't like a Hobbit situation yeah. where you look at it and go, well, they're going to make one book and they're going to turn it into a three-hour movie. Well, right. Like, like yeah, this, this, is this is the second movie. This, yeah, this is, is the second part. They yeah. can't go and be like, or do what they did with Harry Potter, right? Then they yeah, split, split the last it. part. Yeah. No, and like, 
And you can see how Infinity War could have easily been three hours too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they could and have I would have sat through it all. exactly. <laughs> I mean, it would have been a longer, like a, just a slightly slower heist movie, but like there was room for a lot of expansion. I mean, in the time that you, when you rewatch it, like yeah, every second of that movie like actually counts. Yeah, like you don't even get to most things before yeah, yeah. the first hour is up. You're like, oh man, like we're just fighting in New York, and that's like. 45 minutes yeah. like what was that I remember so, like everyone was kind of bitching and moaning that like the Netflix heroes didn't show up or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't show up or whatnot. I was like where yeah where, where would you have put them <laughs> just all in the same helicarrier all in one shot they're just like yeah, like we just need you're sh- flying into one Wakanda and then we just get lost in the and they're crowd. all at the window like yeah. so you right. can just see what them was like someone say well they could just put the Punisher down the streets of New York or Daredevil just looking up at the sky at some I'm like no who gives a shit sorry yeah, wow. Twice. The editor-in-chief and the producer of the show, Jim Viscardi, everybody. But, uh, Clearly no, the passionate topic dethroned. for him. Clearly, yeah, but no, that is true. Uh, who does give in that bad word you said? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, Endgame almost has to be three hours. I, I mean, from what we're theorizing, there's going to be a major attack, like, right in the first act. Mm-hmm. first hour could just be Avengers headquarters getting smashed to bits and, like, Having that, it should be super depressing battles. because the Avengers just got their butts handed to yeah, them. Yeah, I know. I'm almost. I'm really hoping that that's not the case. Well, dude. we're all living in the darkest timeline, so maybe they are too. Maybe they, and yeah. they're going to make a hop to a new timeline. We'll see. Or it's the. Or but it could also just be as easily solved as like Thanos may want to come and finish what what he started, and then Captain Marvel shows up, pushes him back, and then and then the movie goes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of we we. Here's a thing that I want to end on here and why people shouldn't complain. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, it's three hours, but you need to kind of take it for the gift of what it is. Like, like I said, this is the culmination of almost 20 films of building. That's this is the answer you've been waiting for for a year, and you know blessedly nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know nothing other this is, than like this is a once in a lifetime yeah. kind of thing because even right now there is nothing that has started remotely like what Iron Man did 10 years ago right now. So no. like mm. not even like 10 years from now, we will not have something like Endgame again. No. no, and you know nothing about it. Like this is the purest movie experience you might have like in the next 10, five, 10 years, yeah. maybe your lifetime. Like something so anticipated that you're going to be soaking up every single frame because you've seen almost none of this mm-hmm. film. And if it is three hours, that's like, Two hours and 55 minutes <laughs> that you have not even seen a frame of. Like, That's very true. And so, like, just go in and enjoy it. Don't complain beforehand. You know what you got to do with your bladder. You know how to read the rhythm of a movie. <laughs> when there's a, you know, after a big battle scene, when everything is going to settle down, go then. Otherwise, just enjoy the fact that you're going to get this epicness. You know nothing about it. And it could be a very well, thorough, satisfying viewing experience. I will say, too, I think one of the things le- leading credence to this is that Fandango like, tweeted it out. I'm like, I, I can get the, oh, maybe it was just an over-eager intern being like, oh, I saw the news. It must be out there. If AMC said it, then, then we got to say it, too. But at the same time, like, it's also Fandango. No, I mean, it's I expect, it, what I they expect do. it to be three hours. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't expect less. If it's two hours, I'm going to be like, what the hell was There's that? There's no way that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm expecting three hours. I think you should, too. And I'm so glad that I don't know anything. And I hope we all make it down this final stretch of one month. And getting in there just so unspoiled as possible. It is one month away. And just take it all in. All right. Well, moving along to our last thing. Man, (laughs) we got to talk. 
So good weekend to be a Zack yeah, Snyder fan. I or guess maybe not. Zack Snyder has completed whatever legal gag obligations <laughs> he had to WB. We've been seeing it in trickles, right? For like ever since All on Vero. Fall, yeah, ever since fall 2018 on Vero on his like little photography Here's site that storyboard. he and two other people like use like basically i'm just i'm not Vero, but a lot of people use it but it's not like a Do it's a for artists it's it. like an artist <laughs> like it's an artist like it's him and james mangold or like on there or something like that saying like chromatic shot of yeah. blah, blah blah whatever so he was just dropping kind of justice league spilling tea about what could have been what now you'd be cut and all that for for a while but this weekend, he held a panel called Director's Cuts. Right. Great. Where they watched the Batman and Superman Ultimate Edition. Well, they he, watched Dawn of the Dead. Okay. They Director watched. Cut. Um, there was like, what, three? They films? watched Man of Steel? Uh, Watchmen, right? Oh, no. They watched, yeah. They watched Dawn of the Dead, okay. Watchmen, and Batman vs. Superman. Okay. So then he did a QA. And man, and the stuff that came question. out of this stuff was just. You can go to our DC page on the site, but it was crazy, and people are still pissed off about now, like half of it. I'm going to defend Zack Snyder a little. Well, bit. Well, I'm a Zack Snyder apologist. Which, well, oh, I don't yeah. get I don't get people who say he's a bad director. First of all, from like a technical skill, like film school perspective, Zack Snyder is very much not a bad director. Mm -hmm. He makes great images. Mm -hmm. He can put together deep films. Oh, he's Even, part, he's one of the only you know directors in a in the last five or ten years to easily have his own distinctive visual identity when it comes to... Yeah, yeah you know a Zack Snyder film. Exactly. You know a Zack Snyder film when you see and, like, Good and For bad. as much as they get slammed, like people keep going back and finding great things in his film. Like If nothing else, at least the imagery mm -hmm. lives on and becomes iconic in and of itself. Even the low points like Sucker Punch still have images and so stuff that like, <laughs> people are like, you know, that remember. people, you know, that are iconic. Yep. And, That's a gorgeous movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and just the so I'm I'm not I'm an apologist or at least a rationalist in the sense that like be fair, you didn't like what he did with the DCEU. Mm -hmm. Okay. But like he's not a horrible director. And there are a lot of people who really still I mean, Man of Steel was a big impactful movie for a lot of people, mm -hmm. even if you didn't like it. But man, Zack Snyder is off the chain. Well, what I, what days. I what I want to say is that I think so I watched uh, the last two, and I think the big quotes that came out of those two, I think I really, I, I, I want to make it kind of clear is like Zach has no in his tone there was no ill will. Yeah, he had he just had fun with it. Um, like so he's not like slamming anything. Yeah, let's not, let's set this in context. I think yeah. what you're alluding to is the one that has gotten the internet all triggered is the question about Batman killing. Yep. And in Batman v Superman, this was a big deal. Batman's using machine guns. He's blowing guys away bloody, like, you know, in a chase scene. And somebody brought it up to him about, you know, how Batman kills in the movie. And he said, and I'll quote, someone says to me, Ben Affleck's, or Batman killed a guy. I'm like, F, really? Wake the F up, Snyder said. I guess that's what I'm saying. Once you lost your virginity to this movie, then this effing movie, then you come to me and say something like, my superhero wouldn't do that. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like down the effing road on that. It's a cool point of view to be like, my heroes are innocent. That's cool. But you're living in an effing dream world. And it sounds mad aggro when you read it. It sounds like he's just being nasty, but I think he's just giving his honest, like you said, his honest reaction, which is just like, He's just a fan who has a different point of view of these yeah. heroes, and he's as emphatic as all of us are screaming at each other around this office, mm -hmm. which is he's just a fan of the, if Batman were really operating, this dude would have to kill somebody eventually. Mm -hmm. 
Like, it would just be part of the campaign. Like, there's no... And there's a certain amount of argument. I've done this back and forth of, like, yeah. This whole... I mean, it's in comics and animation that Batman's such a precision tactician that he can take down a whole squadron of armed vigilantes on a moving convoy and nobody really gets that hurt, just <laughs> tied up and hung up. But, like, yeah, in the real world... Not realistic. Not realistic. Yeah. Like, yeah. To take down a whole van of guys, you're just going to throw an explosive blow that I was going to say, van. that's the best like, way. Yeah. Flip the van. Flip and if the they van. die in their way... Yeah, if some of them die, like... <laughs> I didn't kill them. Yeah, you're doing the crimes. Like, I didn't go in to kill anybody, but, like, yeah. Stop in the van. <laughs> and this is a brutal, angry Batman. Yeah. yeah. Like... And it fit his exactly. his take on Batman. It fit, mm-hmm. and especially the the one we're seeing that like it has come the Batman who comes back after the Battle of Metropolis, right? Yeah. And, and after this, this is like post nine eleven Batman, who is also not just a character, but if you watch the Ultimate Edition, and I like one of the first articles I did here when I got here was. One that's like uh, Batman, why Batman v Superman is smarter than you think. It was kind of a review of the mm-hmm. Ultimate Edition. I mean, that's a major po- – the movie makes it – that full version makes it so clear what a political allegory and social, political social allegory mm-hmm. that movie really is. And in this, Batman is post-9-11 America. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the America that used to believe in justice but had something really horrible happen and now is kind of the notion of sacrificing freedoms for security and surveilling everybody and doing all this stuff. And judging stuff someone and judging, before yeah, exactly. they've, done, yeah, they've done anything. Before they've done anything and looking at this other as a threat. and you Even know. though it gave us that amazing Ben Affleck line. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the 1%. There's a... Oh, if there's a 1% percent chance. chance. Yeah. The way he delivered. I love that and it's right? But that's like how the mentality... That's an yeah. allegory, right? And so, like, yeah, the part of the allegory is we're doing brutal things. Mm-hmm. We're using technology and stuff to just, like, wipe people out and without, you know, because they're enemy combatants. And that's our new policy towards enemy combatants. <laughs> and that's also what this movie's all about. Now, you can kind of harp in him and Hall about the character – my thing about this, and I, and I keep coming back to this, is it's hard for me to support people who say, you're ruining this character. Mm, because you. comic books are not solid. They're malleable. They always have been. They're literally a form of literature that you establish something, then you hand it off to a new creative team of people and say, now it's time for you to put your stamp on this. Yep. And, like, and there's this idea that we should all adhere to this core and like, yeah, that makes sense, but there's also room to ex- deviate from that core and explore things away from it as long as you eventually bring it back. And I think Zack Snyder has made it clear over and over again that like his Batman and Superman, these are the trainees. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this storyline was going to be about how they meet and influence one another and be kind of form into the people we know right. them to be. Now, as a movie... It didn't always succeed. No, this was, I mean, but yeah. if you, here's the, where but, I, but I understand and like the idea but, and the yeah. premise. Dude, if you, here's where it gets crazy, because this wasn't the only crazy thing he said about the Batman right. thing. If you read his full thing, his plans, I mean, this oh. man had like a nine Skywalker Insane. saga. <laughs> Insane. Like, thing like that involved the nightmare sequence. Like, I just don't believe they let him put that nightmare sequence in the film if you were not fully prepared. Mm-hmm. Well, he even for, like, says they the were nine, on board. Yeah, for the well, nine films that we're going to take. Well, right. Well, they said, like, the first script that he and Terrio did together, they did not even shoot because that script was done before 
Batman vs Superman, I think, even came out. Then Batman vs Superman came out. The reviews were eh, eh. Warner Brothers got eh, eh, and said, "Hey, can you change X, Y, and Z?" And he was like, uh, "Okay," because I guess I guess Justice League was supposed to be a lot darker. Um, in that, I don't know how you get much darker. <laughs> I mean, but, his but, plan though for and what's crazy is I was reading when he goes into his description about like, well, here's where I wanted. Dark side. Here's where I yeah. wanted. I wanted the nightmare scenario to be like the Justice League broke up, and then you know Batman's still fighting, and Cyborg takes Flash back in the back in time, and Lois is the yeah, key. There's like some Back to the was- Future crazy. <laughs> we got to go back twice. Like he's saying. I mean, he was going into. He said Dark Side would have killed Lois. The- yeah. He yeah. Said, Lois. Okay. Here's just some things that we would have gotten at a certain point in the movie. Okay. Here's a nightmare sequence, and I'm going to try to explain as best I can. So basically, he had done, and a bunch of team had done some research on a certain version of time travel (laughs) theory that said the Earth has to be in the exact same position for you to be back in the exact same position if you're traveling back in time. There would be only two points where they could go back and two windows of opportunity to travel to this exact point in time to warn Bruce Wayne. So Nightmare, what we saw in the beginning, is Flash's is a first timeline where they send back Flash, but that one doesn't work. He shows up too early. Screwed up. Yeah, he shows up too early. And that's what he says. I'm too early. And, and that causes the series of events that lead to Nightmare. And then in the Nightmare, knowing because Bruce Wayne saw Flash, he knows this is possible. So him and a half of whatever's left of Cyborg at yeah. that point mm-hmm. scheme to go back and like warn them again about this whole Lois Lane thing. And somewhere in there in the, in the ruined timeline after Flash's warning – yeah, like Lois Lane's hanging out in the Batcave, dark side, boom tubes in, fries her, causing Superman to embrace the anti-life equation, become the evil Superman we see in Nightmare. Batman's still fighting with the remnants of the Justice League, and then he and Cyborg go back, send a warning, the right warning this time, mm-hmm. and then in Justice League, and they straighten it all out. Which is crazy because in that in that thing, it's so funny that we get on Snyder for like doing the Dark Knight Returns, the death of Superman, and like all these other things in BVS, and then in yeah. Justice League, <laughs> he was gonna do like three more oh stories, God, yeah, shoehorn them all together. Justice, like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, yeah, like, scope man is important, <laughs> like yeah, but this was gonna be like a three arc film because like when he started dropping hints on on uh, Vero, that's what it was all about. It was like right. Justice League Part One would tease Darkseid, mm-hmm. and we'd even see maybe young Darkseid when he came to Earth during that ancient war and all that stuff. But then it was gonna be a three arc buildup to when they then go to like Apocalypse in the second movie to rescue Superman. Mm -hmm. And then the third movie is them coming back to Earth, which is fighting its own battle against Apocalypse, which is basically like the the Superman animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Animated series. I forget which uh, actual series had that uh, whole three-part war with Darkseid, but that's essentially the plot line. Yeah, was that Superman animated series? Yeah. Superman gets his butt whipped in the first part. Batman jumps through a portal, goes to Apocalypse, has to like fight Desaad and like outwit all these other people, get Superman, come back to Earth, where Superman like has to defend Metropolis against Darkseid and like yeah, that and that's a great story. So like yeah, they're all great stories nuts. individually. <laughs> like, <laughs> Stop like, shoving them it'd together. Be, it'd be crazy like if they had just given Snyder an Injustice movie. 
Oh my god! I would. Yeah, something that watch that in a heartbeat. Perfect for a dark, a dark story for a dark guy mm-hmm. would have been perfect. Like Snyder would people, fit he now. He could have done everything he wanted to do. Batman could kill people. Superman could kill people. In this Elseworlds era of oh, DC, yeah, it would have fit perfectly. Like let him go nuts. Yeah. Do his three movies, his Injustice saga, right? Like go to town. But as a you know, I think we've known from like the Marvel films, like two is kind of the max. Like two big storylines is kind of the max that mm-hmm. will mesh together into yeah. a cohesive film. I think, I mean, if you were confused about the nightmare sequence, like, yeah, <laughs> trying to explain, my only thing was trying to explain <laughs> the two timelines and two windows where people can travel back. That would have broken the internet with just time travel theories, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, the whole anti-life equation would have broken people too. Yeah. Like, but here's the thing. I want to see it. I know. <laughs> All of this, like, I, I, I'm, I'm like, no, that wouldn't have been a good movie, probably. No, it, it, there, I have lots of issues with it. Just However, wanted to see Dark Side, man. I, I want to see it. Well, I think people were shouting out in the crowd that it should be an animated movie, and there's there a go. DC uh, Universe animated branch, which I think would be awesome if they did a thing where Zack Snyder got to be like involved in writing. But is there a book. any way WB spends more money? He, if they think <laughs> there's money to be made, like an animated feature or series of features where Zack Snyder gets to make the Snyderverse Justice League story mm-hmm. he wanted to do. Well, didn't he also confirm that the Snyder Cut exists? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, that's a small part we left out of this whole discussion. <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Yeah, the Snyder Cut I exists. i to make sure we get that in before yeah. we close today. Yeah, the Snyder Cut exists, according to Zack Snyder. Um, well, let's just say, because yeah. there was a lot of controversy. A fan, he didn't say it during the Q&A. Afterwards, he was doing a signing. Mm-hmm. One guy, uh, I forget his name. It was like uh, Carlos, I think his name was. If I got your name wrong, man, I'm sorry. But uh, he waited in line, he talked to him, and he asked about it. And he said, essentially, that, yeah, it exists. WB has it. It's not up to me anymore. That's way out of my wheelhouse. It's up to them what they want to do with that. And that's basically, I mean, that's the way the business goes. Um, But he basically soft-confirmed that, yeah, this Snyder Cut exists. So it's out there. I'm kind of torn, as I've written in every one of our articles about this, because I want to see it. I really do. Because I was a Man of Steel fan. I love the Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman. And I want to see it, but, like, this would only be the beginning of something. Right. It's not even the whole story. No. And like it would just make it would make you, Matt, even more angry because you wouldn't be able to see all the crazy come to an end. Yeah, and then it would be just a whole yeah. other release the Snyder Cut part two, and that's like making a whole other movie. Then you have to yeah, yeah, you have to make that movie. That movie doesn't exist. Exactly. So like no So I it's mean, really probably worth it to WB to not release that. No, leave that opening, can of worms you, shut. I, at this point, I honestly would just like you said, I would let Zack Snyder I would take the name recognition and the love of the Snyderverse now, if we're going to compartmentalize it, and just do it some other way. Yeah. Do a graphic novel. Even do novel. it as a comic. Yeah, yeah like do I said. a graphic novel. Like do Sny- an animated film. Snyder is an artistic guy. Like do online said. shorts for yeah. a while, like a 8 to 12 piece online short. Oh, man, the idea of Online doing shorts, a comic man. Is, like, no, I want And just that. bring all that to life in an in, in animated online short. Don't yeah, spend live action. It's not going to look like his. Movies. Well, you pair him up with a, a, like, a great A. His artist. movies are gorgeous. Like I, like I have issues with some of his movies, but the movies are gorgeous. No, but you can do it in the style. And yeah, but it's, of it. but it's but if people just want to. I see still kind of want to see it. I know, but people want to see the story play out. So like, there's ways to do it, and I think WB should just capitalize on the name recognition and find a little corner of an Elseworlds or something to do it. Um, but yeah, if you are not a Jack Snyder fan, 
this was a pretty uh, harrowing <laughs> little uh, experience for you. So we hope you recover. Let us know what you guys want to do about all of this kind of weird middle child of the DC franchise <laughs> that's kind of sitting out here. Um, you can uh, hit us up on social media at the hashtag Comic Book Nation and let us know your thoughts. That's going to do it for our show this week. As we said, you can subscribe to Comic Book Nation on Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Uh, still no app, uh, Amazon Music, though, Matt. I'm sorry. Why I know you-, <laughs> you want Amazon Music, but I'm sure we'll know when it finally comes up. We'll let you know, buddy. <sighs> you can also contact us individually on Twitter. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. That's K-O-F-I Outlaw. Uh, you can hit me up at Matt Mueller CB At Jim Viscardi. And you guys have been leaving us some wonderful reviews. We really appreciate it. Anybody who's leaving us reviews, make sure you get in contact with us. We are sending out T-shirts and getting them out to you. So if you've heard your review read on the show and would like a piece of comic book swag, please hit us up. Let us know. And we can hit us up on Twitter. Get us us an email. One of the guys last week sent me an email uh, to the support at comic book. Uh, just get in touch with any one of us, and we'll get yeah. sure you. Yeah, easiest way is also just the hashtag Comic Book Nation. That's We're always true. checking it on Twitter. Yeah, and, and just saying, hey, just, that was my review. Yeah, hey, that was my review. Can you? Get, I would love to get a T-shirt or something, and then we'll take you off on the side, and we'll uh, get your information, your size, and we'll get it out to you. I think that's about it. Uh, that I feel is like it. I had something else else to say. Oh yes, we will be reading more reviews this week. Uh, we're going to do that in our uh, next episode. I shouldn't say this week. You don't know when this episode takes place. It could be anywhere in this in any <laughs> timelines. Two different timelines that we might have to fix. <laughs> two visit done. visits. So Way to uh, bring that back around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh no, but, uh, Dark Side is here. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dark Side. We got to take this episode again. <laughs> Only this time, provide more warnings about Zack Snyder. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it for us here at Comic Book Nation. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Deuces.